Hello there. This is Benny, and this is Kyle, and you're listening to the Doctor's Watcher, the podcast where I tell you about the Doctor Who episode that I have watched. <laughs> Gets better every time. <laughs> okay, so man, this is the uh, the serial of the Doctor and his companions being tiny in the in the the world. Uh, where everything's big, or I suppose the the land of giants, you could say. Wait, was it land? Uh, a planet. Dang it. Okay, <laughs> the planet of giants, um, and and now they uh, they are in danger. I think this is like a, a dangerous journey that they're on. Mm-hmm. The the tiny tot adventurers. The tiny tot <laughs> adventurers. The tiny tot adventurers. Yes, yes. Very good. Very good. Really looking forward to hearing what happens next. To the point where I'm honestly uh, of two minds about continuing this serial because part of me is like, "Oh, this is this is such good classic, just cheesy sci-fi stuff right here." That I'm almost gonna feel bad about when it's over. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, man, if we continue, then we're just moving toward the inevitable conclusion of this serial. And I want to savor it, enjoy it as long as I can. But uh, time and tide and, and tiny time travel, ti- tiny Tardises, and wait for no one. <laughs> well, I guess you will get to enjoy it a second time when you do the first pass edit of these episodes. <laughs> That's true. And then a third yeah. time when you do the the QA, listen to my edit. And it's then uh, also a fourth time <laughs> when they're actually released. Uh, I, have a, I have a confession to make, Kyle. I don't, I don't actually listen to them. When <laughs> well, as long as you download them, that's okay. <laughs> yes, it's all about the downloads. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and, and downloading our podcast. Well, shall we get into it? Yes, please. So, as previously mentioned, this is episode two of the second season. Still feels a little bit weird to not say first season, but it's a <laughs> yeah. good sort of feeling. Yeah, as we were setting up this uh, this recording, you you, you uh, listeners missed out on me being like, here we are, season one, episode two. I mean, season two, episode one. I mean, <laughs> season two, episode two. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It takes some getting used to. So I'm getting used to... To... <laughs> well would you like to would you like to remind us of the cliff dangler all right the the cliff dangler was a cat uh we love cats you know we do um not just matilda though she is the best of them all <laughs> um but our our heroes who are shrunk down to tiny size and must somehow stop the evil pesticide man from deploying his evil pesticide and getting it approved by the government for use um, before our heroes can stop his nefarious schemes 
mm-hmm. are confronted by the uh, the government man's cat, and the government man was recently murdered by pesticide man. But of course, the cat does not know that; it only sees that there are some delicious-looking tiny tot people <laughs> um, ready to be devoured. I do have to say, I think this cat is probably the cutest and fuzziest Doctor Who villain we've had so far. Oh, good. Very important. So the Doctor tells everybody not to move and also not to look the cat in the eyes. Mm -hmm. That's actually good advice. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, they all kind of turn away. He's, you know, even mentions like, you know, close your eyes if you want. And a moment later... The cat wanders off. Ah, uh, good. Cliff uh, Dangler resolved. Yes, our, our usual resolution timeline <laughs> for Doctor Who. Uh-huh. The Doctor's like, Well, we can't get back to the ship just yet. And you know how fast cats can move. And another thing, we could be mistaken for mice, and I don't fancy being part of the cat's diet. <laughs> They're all like, Oh, shit, was that what we were worried about? Don't want to ruin that cat's <laughs> poor digestion. Uh-huh. It's a poor little tummy. Yeah, you just want to rub it, not not upset it. Yes, you want to stick your face into that tummy floof. Don't I don't recommend doing that unless you're absolutely <laughs> positive that the cat will, cat will allow it. Indeed, tummy floof is often a trap. Yes. Susan wants to try to make contact with the full-size people, but... Ian points out that their voices, you know, our tiny tot adventurer voices would sound like tiny little squeaks to the full size people. Mm-hmm. And Barbara points out that like, if they were discovered, they'd just be stuck under a microscope anyway. Mm, I was wondering if they were going to uh, have that fear. Yeah. Yeah, and Doctor adds... And I would add another and more important factor. The people that live in this house are murderers. Or one of them is. Therefore, we can't expect sympathy and understanding from an insane or a criminal mind. Well, I mean, the guy who killed the dude was just visiting? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. It It was not necessarily that he lived there. But who am I to disagree with the doctor? Indeed. Because, of course, the doctor has never been wrong. <laughs> yes. The party ends up getting split again, but accidentally this time. Because as they're walking along, Barbara kind of stumbles and Ian kind of helps her to her feet. And then, like, a full size human walks past. And, you know, they all have to dodge the footfall, and Barbara and Ian dodge one way, and Susan and the Doctor dodge the other way. Mm-hmm. Is there, like, a giant foot prop that they put down between the the heroes? Oh, I wish. That would have been great. But I think <laughs> that's out of the out of the budget for this serial. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we mostly just got, like, the stagehands turning the set lighting off to, to simulate a shadow. Mm-hmm. That's still something. Good job, Stage. Your work is appreciated. <laughs> and, you know, after after this person passes by, the doctor decides that for some reason it's too dangerous to go over to where Ian and Barbara are. 
I mean, they are like 20 feet away at this point. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, more. yeah. In tiny, tiny feet, tiny top feet. Right. Yeah. They're like, yeah, probably even like 30 tiny top feet away. Oh my gosh. So he and Susan head over to like a nearby drain pipe to hide. And Ian and Barbara go and hide in a briefcase. I like how the uh, the writers are trying so hard to justify splitting the party. Like, guys, <laughs> you've never had to try this hard to justify it before. <laughs> right. All you have to do is have one of the characters suggest splitting the party. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so our murderer from the previous episode, Forrester, also known as Suit Man, mm-hmm. or what did you call him? Chemical Man? Uh, I don't remember. Pesticide Man? Pesticide maybe? Man. He has brought his partner Smithers to the place. Uh, Smithers, also known as Labcoat Man. Mm-hmm. And he shows him the dead body of Chair Dude. He tells Labcoat Man that Chair Dude had the gun and they struggled, like Chair Dude was going to shoot him. And so they struggled and then the gun went off. Devious. And. Lab coat man looks at the body, rolls an investigation check, and then he's like, I wouldn't try telling that story to the police if I were you. <laughs> oh boy, very sus. Yep. Yeah. And they're both in cahoots. Yeah. There's two imposters. <laughs> he says that it's, you know, obviously clear that this dude was shot from like several feet away because there aren't any powder burns. And, you know, this story of struggling over the gun is, you know, clearly some bullshit. Hank, settle down there, Sherlock Holmes. And, yeah, over the course of this conversation, it becomes clear to us viewers that Labcoat Man is the actual inventor of this chemical DN6 that Suit Man was trying to get Chair Dude to approve. And... Suitman Mr. Forrester is basically like a businessman who's working with Lab Coat Man Smithers on the chemical. So they're both they're both bad, is what you're saying. Uh that's they're both, they're both in this together. They're they're definitely both in it together. Uh the Suitman Forrester is clearly in it like just for the money. And, you know, he's like the the marketer, basically. Mm-hmm. And the scientist, Labcoat Man, he actually tells this whole story about, like, essentially having worked in the third world on, like, trying to combat starvation and, like, trying to help people grow crops and stuff. And, you know, as a result of that, like, he's seen a lot of death and, you know, he's trying to basically develop a chemical to help people grow crops better so there can be more food and, you know, combat starvation. Yeah, well, like the doctor pointed out, uh, I think killing all the earthworms and fuzzy little bumblebees is not going to have the uh, the end result that you're hoping for there, lab coat man. Yeah. Where'd you get that lab coat, lab coat man? Where'd you get that degree? <laughs> lab coat man's like, dude... This fucks everything up. We're never going to be able to do this chemical now. We've wasted like a whole year's worth of work. Mm -hmm. And 
Suitman's like, not necessarily. You know, since Chair Dude didn't actually call in the report about DN6 because he got murdered. Hmm. And it is known at Chair Dude's office that he's going on this, like, solo sailing journey to France. <laughs> yeah, very convenient. So if they just go, like, capsize his boat at sea and, like, dump the body in the ocean, and Lab Coat Man's like, dude, that's your business. All I want to do is use my chemical to help people grow food and not starve. So Suitman moves the briefcase into the lab and the two of them go to like move the body into the storage shed basically interesting i wonder given that lab coat man seems to have a decent uh motivation here but and yet he's still going along with the you know he's he's an accomplice in the crime right i wonder what his uh how things will end up for him if he'll end up being sort of absolved or, or getting away with it or his his part in it or if he will also go to jail and or have some other punishment because mm-hmm. yeah he clearly does have you know a theoretically good and altruistic motivation mm-hmm. but in order to to advance that goal he's an accomplice to murder at this point yep of course, the briefcase that Suitman brought into the lab was the briefcase that Ian and Barbara are hiding in. <laughs> no good. So it gets set down on the counter. They stumble out of it once it's been set down. Uh, I should explain it's, you know, the type of briefcase that, like, kind of, you know, is vertical and has, like, a flap over the top. Oh, so, so it's not locking because they can just leave it? Yeah. Uh, well, I think the flap does does lock or have like a little fastener mechanism, but, you know, it's not like sealed. There's a gap they can crawl out through. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's not like, you know, the classic, you know, square businessman's briefcase. It's more of like a a, a satchel than a briefcase, I guess. Okay. So they stumble out and... It seems that they have not had a fun ride. Oh, that was worse than the Big Dipper. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a famous roller coaster. I think so, yeah. Something like that. So they're both... A roller coaster fan then, huh? <laughs> they're both a bit banged up. Barbara hurt her ankle and her knee when she was hit by a paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, she says, like, is pretty silly, but, like, she hurt herself. Yeah, well, a paperclip's probably the size of, like, a sofa. Uh-huh. And that, that's going to leave a mark. So, yeah, she kind of wants to, to take a short rest and, like, bathe her ankle for a little bit. Yeah, she wants to use her hit dice. Uh-huh. So Ian heads off to look for some water so she can... You know, try to soak her ankle to see if that'll help the swelling or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Back outside, Lab Coat Man and Suit Man drag Chair Dude past the drain pipe where Susan and the Doctor are hiding. Well, they're hiding in like a grate kind of below the drain pipe. 
The drain pipe itself apparently has a very strong chemical smell to it. Oh, boy. But the doctor points out that, you know, that means it's germ-free. Oh, no. <laughs> doctor. I think he may have reached the wrong conclusion there, bud. <laughs> it also is fairly corroded on the inside. So, you know, if one were to attempt to climb up the inside of the drain pipe, there would certainly be plenty of handholds and footholds. Good, good, good to know for future reference. Uh-huh. Doctor, of course, wants to go climb it. <laughs> uh-huh. He's climbing on a lot of things. This is the second thing that he's climbing up this episode. Yeah, this is a, a good climbing one for him. Susan is concerned about him falling, which, you know, is a yeah, completely fair. valid concern. Mm-hmm. But she agrees to this plan as long as she can go first. So I don't know if her concern was that, like, if he falls, he'll hit her on the way down. Or <laughs> Meanwhile, Barbara and Ian start to explore the countertop that they are on. Yes, fantastic set, I imagine. Uh-huh. It's uh, mostly dark, but we we do get to return to the rear projector screen that had Cher Dude's head on it. But now it's showing test tubes. Oh, science. Well, those enormous test tubes. Look at that science. <laughs> yeah, Ian, Ian rolls a science check and he's like, ah, oh, science. <laughs> Man of science always recognizes science. Science recognizes science. <laughs> <laughs> they come across a pile of seeds and, you know, they kind of wonder, like, what type of seeds they are. And Ian moves on. He's still exploring. He finds a book of litmus papers to sit on. And he's not really paying very close attention to Barbara, who has picked up one of the seeds. And she realizes that it's a grain of wheat. Hmm. She also realizes that it's all gross and sticky. Covered in some sticky stuff like toffee. Oh no. Is it poisoned? <laughs> Is it poisoned with the, the um, pesticide? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess we don't know yet, but But we we but we do. We suspect. <laughs> <laughs> she asks Ian for his handkerchief and he, you know, without thinking, hands it to her and she wipes her hands off. Ian has put things together and realized that they are in a laboratory. Yay. Which, you know, is a place of science, of course. Yep. And he figures that it's probably a pretty dangerous place for them to be because, you know, it seems likely that whatever it was that was being worked on in this lab was probably what killed all the insects. Uh-huh. And so they were worried about being put under a microscope. And microscopes <laughs> everywhere. Microscopes in here. So many microscopes. He figures that, you know, this whatever killed the insects could possibly kill them too. Mm-hmm. And he's like Well don't touch anything, eh? But but Ian I mean, look at the way these seeds are coated. They're obviously samples. 
Yes, I think they must be inventing a new insecticide. And they've sprayed these seeds with it. Barbara, like... Barbara's like, I don't feel so good. Yeah. She... She actually doesn't quite tell him. It seems like she's about to, but then, like, doesn't quite have the nerve to tell him that she's already touched the seeds. Oh... So she's just like, you know, let's just get back to the TARDIS and GTFO already. She's like, so theoretically, (laughs) uh just as a thought experiment, had somebody touched one of these seeds, um, (laughs) how screwed would they be? Uh Uh-huh. So, of course, the first step in the plan of action for Ging TFO is getting from the counter down to ground level. Mm-hmm. That's and the, that's what the G and GTFO stands for is ground. Ground. Level. Yeah. Ground TARDIS. <laughs> flee. Flee out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they decide that like, maybe there's something in the briefcase that could help, you know, they're thinking about like the paper clips we could like, chain them together or something. So they start heading back toward the paperclip or toward the briefcase. Survivors of London, the Daleks are the masters of Earth. Surrender now and you will live. Those wishing to surrender must leave a five-star review on iTunes and email the doctor's watcher at gmail.com or tweet at doctor watcher and obey orders received. Message ends. Meanwhile, Susan and the doctor are still climbing up the inside of the drain pipe. This is apparently really doing a number on the doctor. He's like huffing and puffing a lot as he climbs. I was like, man, I was all excited. I put some points into climb in uh, when I leveled up last, which is why I've been trying to climb on everything. Haven't completely forgotten that that's only one point in climb. <laughs> <laughs> Ian has like climbed up onto the satchel briefcase, and he's managed to get one of the two, like you know, closure things open. I don't know why they didn't just like crawl back in through the gap, but they're they're trying to like fully open the flap. Kyle, sometimes you just gotta go about things the right way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you want to search the briefcase, like sometimes you just gotta open the flap. It's true. So he gets the first thing open, and you know, calls down to Barbara to tell her, but she doesn't respond because. She is kind of entranced by this giant fly that has landed behind her that she's oh, staring yikes. at. Yikes. Yeah. So, yeah, she's like staring at this fly, you know, entranced or terrified, and then she just passes out. Mm. Ian, you know, arrives. So is, is that from fear or from the, the pesticide or both? I guess uh, yeah, it was unclear, but I was I was thinking probably both. Fair. Like the the pesticide on its own is 
hasn't had enough of an effect to like knock her out yet. But then like the fear combined with that, you know, overwhelms her. She's making all her saving throws at disadvantage. Uh huh. Ian has climbed down from the satchel and he finds her unconscious body on the ground and he hears a noise. And so he picks up her body and goes to hide. It turns out that the noise he heard was the door opening. Mm. Like the, the lab, the lab door. Suit man and lab coat man both enter the room. They have finished taking chair dude's body to the storage shed. They have a brief discussion where lab coat man complains about having been made an accessory to murder. Fair. <laughs> but if there's one chance in a million of the experiment going through, of making it work, then I must do it. I must. Yeah, buddy, you may want to stop and re-examine that <laughs> yeah, at some point. He, his ethics are a little bit out of whack or, or just misaligned there. You can always make another pesticide, buddy. Uh-huh. Maybe even a less destructive one. <laughs> they leave the room, and we all wonder why they came in the room in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> the camera cuts to inside the sink, and Susan and the doctor have made it to the top of the drain pipe. You know, they are like inside the basin of the sink now and the doctor is just like laid out flat on his back panting and trying to recover mm -hmm. and as they talk to each other they realize that the sink is acting like an echo chamber for their voices ah they were they were wondering how they could make themselves heard earlier right meanwhile barbara has had a few good rolls on her death save. Well, they weren't death saves. She was just unconscious. But but she has recovered consciousness now. Good. She got to roll a hit die. And she and Ian are chatting. And, you know, she's basically telling him about the fly that she saw. It's pretty clear that, you know, she was shocked by it. And... You know, as I said, I think the chemical is starting to affect her. So that's affecting her system as well, making her a bit weak. Mm -hmm. Ian tells her that the fly, you know, it left, it flew off and it landed on that pile of seeds and died instantly. Oh, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty lethal stuff. That fly must have died the moment it landed. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Barbara's like, Stop it! Stop it! You know, she's pretty upset. Yeah. She's actually about to tell him, like, what's up with the seeds and the chemical, and, you know, she touched it and everything, mm -hmm. when they hear Susan's voice calling for them. And Barbara gets a thought bubble where... There's an image of the musician Drake, and he's looking away from the camera and putting his hand up. <laughs> and next to that image, there's the text telling Ian about touching the seed. 
And then on the next row down, there's an image of Drake and he's smiling and pointing toward the camera jauntily. Mm-hmm. And the text next to it says, just Gene TFO in the TARDIS. <laughs> yes. Ian asks what it was that she was going to tell him. And she's like, oh, that's not important now. Listen, if Susan's found a way in, that means we can all get out. And they go looking for the source of Susan's voice. You always tell your party what happened. Always. Yeah, this is like, you know, the the person who gets bit by a zombie and like tries to hide it and not mention it to anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, you know, you get bitten by some strange creature uh, or, you know, like an insect on an alien world. And then every time you roll up your sleeve, that purple blotch is spreading more up your arm and you're like, Uh maybe it'll, maybe it'll go away. It'll probably just start to shrink and go away. Back in the sink, the doctor explains that, you know, obviously he and Susan won't be able to hear Ian and Barbara like shouting in response to them because the sink is acting as a sound box. But apparently they don't need to worry about the full-size humans hearing them. No, no, Susan, no, our voices are much too high. It's a different frequency altogether, my child. Dog might be able to. Uh, sure. I think that's how that works, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. And But, you know, luckily we know that there's not a dog here because there's a cat. Sometimes dogs and cats can get along. That's true. This cat, though, seemed like too much of a badass to allow any dogs to be around. That is true. That's a very good point, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle knows his cats. Susan keeps calling, and before long, Ian and Barbara have arrived at the edge of the sink. And, you know, they start climbing down the plug chain, you know, there's like a a plug to plug up the sink and it's attached with the chain. They start climbing down the plug chain toward Susan and her grandfather. They don't get very far though, because they hear lab coat man and suit man re-enter the lab. So Ian and Barbara scramble back up to the top of the plug chain and out of the sink looking for a place to hide. Susan and the doctor are also looking for a place to hide, but the only place they have to go is back down into the drain. So that's where they go. Lab coat man and suit man are like, oh yes, our favorite activity, randomly walking in and out of the lab all day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, actually there is apparently a reason they came into the lab this time. Oh, okay. They are here to wash their hands. Which uh, makes I see. Yeah, it makes me wonder even harder why they entered the lab earlier, because like that was right after moving the body. You'd think that's when you'd want to wash your hands, not, you know, five minutes later. <laughs> Just didn't occur to them at the time, I guess. Uh-huh. But before they get a chance to start washing their hands, they notice the dead fly on the pile of seeds. Hmm. And lab coat man's like, whoa, cool. It works so well. This fly is super dead. I don't know why chair dude was going to lie about it. Hmm. And I think he may have taken away the wrong lesson there, bud. Yeah. This was kind of the first 
the first indication in the episode really that like maybe he's not you know he doesn't know the full story of what happened or you know doesn't know the full effect of his chemical mm, gotcha suit man is just like yeah who knows i mean we'll just need to like submit his report with some modifications and of course lab coat man is like trying to be as little of an accessory to murder as he can. You know, he doesn't want to be involved in like taking the boat out to sea and whatnot. So as soon as suit man starts talking about like modifying the report, lab coat man just, you know, plugs his ears and he's like, la la la, I'm not listening. Like bud, I think <laughs> you need to, uh, re-examine here. Uh, uh-huh. so he puts the sink plug into the drain and turns the water on. Oh no. And the sink fills up as he washes his hands. And when he's done washing his hands, he pulls the plug and the water starts to drain as the title's next episode, Crisis, appear on screen. next episode title card <laughs> yeah i thought crisis was a better title than the sink drains <laughs> yes another good one another good one this has been i know we're only two episodes in but i like the serial yeah i guess it it's a, a a slight spoiler for when we reach the end and you ask me if i if i would recommend it or not but i i am also enjoying the serial Oh, good. Good. Yeah, I... It's interesting. I was thinking about, like, um, you know, how we have... uh, Usually, we have a sci-fi episode and then a historical one and then a sci-fi one and a historical one. And up until now, I've been thinking, oh, okay, so for the sci-fi ones, we get to visit other worlds, right? Mm -hmm. But this one, I would assume, is a sci-fi one because it takes place in the modern day, but... uh, just tiny tot world um but it's earth so right part of me is like oh this is great i love it you know and i do it's very good very classic you know sci-fi tv but on the other hand i'm like but this also kind of means we get one fewer alien planet to visit because we're sort of using our our sci-fi allotment on earth that's a good point i hadn't considered it from that angle but yeah we you know, and especially with the first episode and thus this entire serial being called Planet of Giants, you know, that implies that we're going to go to some some sci-fi planet where everybody is giant. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not quite what they actually delivered. Like, yeah, I am enjoying what this is it's a, a fun serial but, but yeah it's a it's a little bit misleading in that way but we love it anyway yeah this is this is fun i feel like everyone's gotten to do stuff um the like you know 60s feminist or or basically the shitty 
racist and misogynist stuff from earlier has been kept to a minimum. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm enjoying it. I think that this so far is uh, is a plus classic Doctor Who. I am wondering a little bit about how much uh, you know the the children watching this are going to be engaged by the gripping story of the chemical regulations. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I mean, that really just seems like some, they had to do something to, to give us a plot, but yeah, I mean, I, we do get the scary poisons, which is, that's true. Kind of interesting. And poor Barbara, like possibly being poisoned. So, that, that at least I think we can all understand and and react to as a thrilling danger. Yeah, that's true. I do feel a little bit bad for her that she she feels that she has to hide it from everyone else, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess she's afraid that Ian would blame her for for having touched it, or probably say that yeah, she shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. Or the doctor's gonna like be an asshole to her about it or something. Yeah. But the doctor's not even there. I mean, like, it's, that's it's true. Like she, so yeah, she could just tell, she could just be like, don't tell the doctor, but I kind of touched the shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like she was, she was right about to, she would have, if they hadn't heard Susan's voice, but then like in that moment, she, I guess she makes the decision that getting back to the TARDIS seems reasonably likely now so let's just do that Mm -hmm. yeah well all right cool i i want to know what uh tiny giant thing we get next time um and where this is all going so um well it'll be a couple weeks for us uh and uh two weeks for the audience but we'll see we'll see what how they get out of this crisis and if any other crises come along indeed join us next time on the doctor's watcher bye bye the doctor's watcher would like to thank circuit 23 for the awesome theme song he made for us you can hear it and the rest of his music at soundcloud.com slash circuit 23 you can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. I would like to thank Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and I would like to thank all you listeners for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. You can reach us by email at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com and on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed the program, please tell all your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts. Thanks for listening. You say all I want out of the experiment is money. But you want something too, don't you? You want to see it finished, be known as the inventor of it. If the truth came out about Pharaoh, you can say goodbye to all that. The experiment must go through, it's too important. Nothing else matters.
Not if we can save people from dying of starvation. That's what I care about, Forrester. 